So, Rachel. Yeah. Troy, Data, and O'Brien are enveloped by a strange cloud that affects changes in their personalities and mm. causes them to take over the ship. <laughs> what do you think you're going to get? Ooh, this sounds fun. Troy and Data turn evil and O'Brien turns good. Mirror universe style. <laughs> They'll have to tie O'Brien up. They'll take Picard and Riker out, meaning Troy is in charge. Mm -hmm. Data will take over engineering in a sad day for him and LaForge's best friends. Oh, Bev and Worf will team up to save the day. All right, sounds like an episode of Star Trek to me. Let's find out. <laughs> Star Trek! Captain's Lock, Stardate 45571.2. We are going into orbit around an unexplored M-class moon of Mabu 6. Though the moon was reported to be uninhabited, we have picked up a weak distress call. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. We are at RachelWatchesStarTrek.com and Patreon. Thank you, patrons. Uh, this week, we're doing an episode called Power Play, written by Renee Bulker and Herbert J. Wright and Brandon Braga. That's a lot of fingers in the pie. Yeah. It doesn't usually bode well. Story by Paul Rubin and Maurice Hurley. Maurice is Ooh, still... what's he doing around? Maybe this is an old script that they had mm, of Maurice's. Creeping around the place. And directed by David Livingston. All right. Well, everybody's favorite D-lister, the USS Enterprise D, is investigating the distress call coming from a so-called uninhabited Class M moon. <gasps> Class M, you say? Kyusan! Ooh, I can't believe it, we've found an Earth-like planet. I'm aching for answers, I'm peeing my pants. Let's go and learn everything about it. Uh, I love that song. <laughs> Troy can tell there's someone down there alive, so they're going in. Due to electromagnetic whirlwinds, they can't transport, so Troy, Riker and Data strap into a shuttle for the most terrifying ride of their lives. Even worse than one of those roller coasters where you're hanging from just the straps on your stomach. And I thought I was going to die. And then when I got to the end and I hadn't died, it was one of the best experiences of my life. <laughs> oh man, that was awful. That that was pretty bad. You know, the most horrific amusement park experience I had was at Legoland, where you program the moves of the giant arm <laughs> that you're strapped to, and it just flings you around like a yeah. ragdoll. Gives you no indication of what's actually going to happen no, to you. No, yeah. no. That was pretty traumatic. I went on it twice. Uh, yeah. Well, it's fine when you've got a child with you, because it programs it to do less. Oh, but then yeah. I went on it on my own the second time. Ooh. Well, Riker breaks his arm in this oh. emergency landing. I know. Yeah. Totally badass about it of course he's oh yeah it's happened before <laughs> big whoop the distress call seems to be coming from the uss essex which disappeared nearly 200 years ago hmm. it was a daedalus class ship which actually i looked at a picture of those and i remember seeing these before you know how the enterprise has a big disc at the front of it mm -hmm. daedalus class has a big sphere Oh. You know, nacelles coming off the back of it, just pretty much the same. And this ship was said to be lost in 2167, which is just a few years after the United Federation of Planets was established, which was in 2161. Wow, lost only six years after the start of the Federation. Yeah. Whoa, some one of their earliest prototypes. A sphere's no good, you know, that's making it difficult to find furniture that matches. <laughs> and the lower floors just have a tiny little room, aren't they? Oh, yes. Your bedroom's at the bottom of the sphere. It's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Now they limp onto the shuttle and Troy senses some life forms approaching with the storm. Ooh. 
O'Brien heroically <laughs> offers to beam down with pattern enhancers, and this is the first time we saw these, but they use them a lot later mm. and often in Star Trek. They seemed quite familiar, like we'd seen them in TOS or something. No, huh. we had not seen them before. So All this right. is the first time. O'Brien says, you know what, I'm going to beam down there. I think I got a way to get past these problems, and if we get those pattern enhancers up, Yikes. everybody will be out. It'll be great. And he'll be back for his baby's lunchtime yeah. with a 50% chance of survival. Well, Ooh. that's what Jordy said. O'Brien was like, no, no, I got this. <sighs> well, so, to be fair, he is being heroic here. Yeah. So one point on his positive <laughs> chart. <laughs> well, he makes it, but they all get struck to the ground by some form of lightning and tiny balls of light go into Troy, Data and O'Brien, but leave Riker alone as he kind of awakens before they have chance. O'Brien beams them all back. And Troy freaks out when she wakes up in sick bay. But don't worry, Bev has you. You'll be fine. <laughs> Data's speech has got a few little glitches, but no biggie. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think I would think biggie. Data starts in acting increasingly colder, more lore-like. I thought more lore-like, but Spiner apparently said he was trying not to make himself seem like lore. Well, I think if you see Data with any kind of emotion, and there seem to be flickers of emotion going yeah. on there, it makes it... Makes you think of lore, so you can't yes. help but that. He's colder, sneerier, more angry seeming. He suggests to Picard that they should check the South Pole and begin the search down there. But Picard's like, why would we do that? We're, we got the signal from around here, so yeah. we should search this place. Meanwhile, Troy just says, I want to have a talk with you, Picard. Come on into the ready room. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm feeling these emotional calls to the South Pole. We got to go mm -hmm. to the South Pole. And he goes, all right, yeah, that's cool. But... Ugh, Guess what? Data is flying them to the South Pole before he gets any orders. Mm, and locking Roe out of her console. Uh-huh. Yep. All hell breaks loose. O'Brien attacks Worf, throws him over the top of the console. So he's got super strength now. <laughs> yeah. How's that work? <laughs> yeah. And they, they try to take over the Enterprise. Riker transfers control to engineering, as I knew he would do. So they should have known that, too. Yeah. Troy Kirk Foo's Picard. Yeah. Yeah, she's all over it these That's days. The second Kirk Fu we got from Troy. Yeah. Team Goatee are on the move, and Troy is pissed off at the boys for making a sloppy job of it. Saying, I, I could, I would have persuaded him in another two seconds, and you'd have to go yeah. beating people up. You had to freak out, not chill. Baby, baby, chill, baby, baby, yeah. wait. Riker restores control to the bridge, because the now they've left, because yeah. he's going to bring the control back to where he is. Now, I just want to bring up, you, you call them the Goatee Trio. Yeah. None of them actually have goatees. No, no, they do not. Yeah. Nobody has had a costume change, unfortunately. Nor has anyone applied facial hair. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I Mirror, do. Spock. I just want to make sure that the listeners understand that yeah. the, that is a metaphorical goatee, goatee not <laughs> yeah. a literal goatee. <laughs> That's right. I just want to call them Team Goatee because it just amuses me. It's fun. Now we get lots of trying to trap them in the turbo lift. O'Brien solves that one with a force field. Data smashes open a panel and electrocutes himself to connect something and get the force field open. Mm. Quite menacingly, I must say. And they arrive in 10 forward where Molly is hungry and crying. But Keiko, if breastfeeding's not working out, you know, why in a utopian society, but maybe she's decided not to go for breastfeeding, <laughs> then just replicate some formula. It's yeah. not that hard. You don't have to wait till O'Brien shows up, do you? No. Or is that how strict your routine is? Mm-hmm. And I also felt really bad for the crying baby actress. <laughs> he always takes me out of it when I think there's somebody who didn't consent to be in this. Oh, yeah. That they're letting cry and yeah. not comforting. Yeah, she's a real baby crying scene. right now. Yeah. yeah. That's not acting. Exactly. 
She's played by twins Angela and Angelica. Really? Oof. Really? Well, yeah. Tedeschi. Well, it's hostage time. Goatee gang, get them all on the ground. Plenty of leaping heroes uh, shooting and phasers. People <laughs> yeah. get hit. Nobody's just going down without a fight, are they? These are the Federation. Yes. Well, phasering, unfortunately, doesn't seem to have much of an effect on these baddies. Again, I have no idea why that would be the case when we find out what happened, but yeah, <laughs> we'll go into that later. Sure. Troy gets Worf at phaser point, and Data puts up a force field around 10 forward. Oh, it's the ultimate after-hours lock-in at the bar. <laughs> Picard is ready to negotiate. He says he'll move the ship to the South Pole, but sneaky Picard tells the bridge to do it as slowly as possible, which I thought was great. Yeah, we're complying. Meanwhile, Bev determines it's body snatching and theorizes that Riker's pain receptors prevented him from being taken over uh, due convenient. to his broken arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's hurt them, says Picard. He's <laughs> all up for it. Yeah, let's do it. Zap them. How about a plasma shock? Sailor Forge and Ro, who are teaming up on this. They'll need to drill into 10 forward ceiling and then just get them to lower the shield. No tribble at all. No tribble. Troy agrees to swapping Picard for the hostages. She's very much the boss and Data, the unhinged henchman. Yeah. With a special interest in the Klingon. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what that's, that's about. That's pretty fun, actually. Yeah. Picard obviously just wants everybody safe. O'Brien gets confused by kind of remembering Keiko and Molly. Mm. They have access to their memories, obviously, whoever these inhabitants of their bodies are. Yeah, they obviously do because they can do their jobs just as well mm. as they did before. But then their emotional memories, their relationships... It's just O'Brien's are coming through a little bit in a confused way. The others, yeah. not so much. Now, Picard enters with a medical team, and then we get this. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Captain Bryce Schumar of the Federation Starship Essex. Starship Essex vanished over 200 years ago. Indeed. I know I was there. This is my first officer, Commander Stephen Mullen, and my security chief. Lieutenant Morgan Kelly. You have survived all this time as... Spirits, ghosts. But you're a man who would never believe in ghosts, Picard. Isn't that true? You see, Troy knows you. And so I do as well. And Counselor Troy is still alive. Yes, of course she is. I have no wish to harm her or to harm anyone else. I'm very pleased to hear that. We have been forced to take this action, Captain, because we need your help. My help? Our consciousness has been trapped on this moon for two centuries. We must escape this torture. The Essex was caught in an electromagnetic storm, just as your shuttle was. Moments before we crashed, the bridge was struck by lightning. The ship was ripped apart. Somehow in that instant, Our consciousness was absorbed into the magnetic currents on the surface. Why didn't you tell us this? Why the deception? The violence? Because, as I said, I knew you would not believe us. Hmm. Mm, As if. It makes no sense. As if they wouldn't believe them and therefore they have to do all this. I'm not buying that this is the Federation no. possessing people unless they've really gone rogue over the years. Yeah. At one point, Worf does suggest that maybe they've gone insane. Yeah. Like 200 years. The trauma of being trapped. Which is plausible. Yeah. You know, I, I give it that. 
But at this point, they're just believing that some Starfleet captains either already were or have become total jerks, which I guess in the vein of admirals, we, oh, right. can, we know that yeah. those people do rise to the top. Well, if he did say he was admiral, then, then it would make sense. We're like, oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, LaForge and Roe are doing the sneaking through the vents trope. In this case, the service crawlway, which we were again appalled to see how uncomfortable that would be on your knees. Yeah, the it looks cool. Yeah. But I was looking at their knees because I'm almost 50 years old now. <laughs> uh, and the grating is uneven. And yeah. it has all these like kind of pokey bits that are coming out of it. And yeah. I'm like... Who would design this? That would have hurt your knee so much. All you need is a channel of padded material all the way down it, or knee pads, or just... Or just make it flat. Just make it flat. Make it a flat grating. It would have worked just fine. (laughs) The the essence of viewing it now (laughs) as a nearly 50-year-old is that, isn't it? It never would have crossed your mind back then. Nope, but my knees. My knees. They're trying to drill through the ceiling. O'Brien tries to kiss Keiko, and she's... Frightened oh, and appalled. Like by a it. rapey kiss, not a well, not a nice kiss. It's as though he's confused and kind of knows that he loves her. I don't think he's going in sinister, but of course it feels sinister uh, to her because he's holding them hostage. Felt sinister to me. They reach the pole and Troy says, Hey baby, what we need is real simple. <laughs> Just beam up our bones and take us back to Earth so we can be at peace. <laughs> Just beam up our bones. Beam up our bones? Beam up my bones, oh. baby. <laughs> beam up my bones. <laughs> We got a, that's a song right there. Yeah. Picard says, release the hostages first. But then she says, no, thanks. How about we start killing people unless you do what we want? Oh, come on, guys. Now, Ro has the lock on the three of them. All the goatees are standing right together. And she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to nail them. But right as she's about to press the button, Data walks out of range. Oh, come on. So they zap the two of them and the little light beams shoot out of their body. So the plan would have worked. Yeah. But. Evil Data is still Evil Data, and he says, look, I'm going to start killing people unless you stop doing that. And they go, okay, stop doing it. Um, and they have to release the pain that it causes, and it immediately causes no pain, and then the little beings go back into Troy and O'Brien. It would have been interesting if they went into Picard's body instead. Mm, guess but, so. But yeah, no. but they'd already developed those characters, so. Yeah. Yeah. Now they say they want to beam down, that's their demand, which seems very strange why they want to go back well to get those bones and get those bones they gotta get down there and get the bones i'm just supposed to be bringing the bones up to get the bones you yeah. gotta go down there and get them yeah. because the scanners can't detect the bones oh right okay so you gotta beam down if hunt you around want for a bone, the bones. you gotta go down you gotta do a bone hunt <laughs> go to bone town you gotta go and to then... <laughs> bone town and do a bone and hunt. then bone up and then yeah you got your okay. bones great Picard says, I'll get you safe passage to Cargo Bay 4, no problem, and then you can do all the boning you like. (laughs) (laughs) So immature. Uh, They think of every way they could be foiled, very clever evil experts here, and insist on eliminating all risk. They each take a hostage as well, and Data skips excitedly to choose Worf, the Klingon. (laughs) It's it's great. It's like a reality show where people get to pick partners and just (laughs) straight to him. It really does. He really does skip over. <laughs> yeah, He's really he happy about great. it. O'Brien takes Keiko and a lady looks after Molly. Everyone's very stoical as usual. They arrive in the cargo bay and Riker tells us Picard has chosen that because he's going to blow the bloody doors off if he needs to. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we did see one of the security officers uh, was an actress I recognized, Patricia Tallman. The one with the nostrils. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because most of the security people had no nostrils, but she did. (laughs) 
No, no, she's and she's one of the main characters on Babylon Five. But I caught her and was like, "Wait, that's her!" And it is indeed her. Good. Babylon Five nerds out there, yeah, if you sure. care. O'Brien beams up hundreds of these light beings in what looks like a swirling cloud. Uh oh. And then they reveal the truth. You're right, Picard. It's not rest we seek, only escape. Escape. We were brought to this moon over five centuries ago from a star system called Uxmal. We were separated from our bodies and left adrift in the storms. Once we almost escaped on board the Essex, but that ship was incapable of eluding this moon's electromagnetic storms. You really think that using their identities would gain our sympathy? It was a better approach than asking you to allow hundreds of condemned prisoners on board. Then this moon is a penal colony. That's correct. But now we have your ship and your bodies to carry us home. Oh, no. Yikes. Uh, I mean, it sounds about right. Yeah. We knew something was up. Even admirals wouldn't pull this one. No, and Picard knew something was Everybody knew something was up. Yeah. And it generated a little bit of sympathy, actually, because they're not light beings. They're, they were separated from their bodies and left to drift as consciousnesses forever, yeah. presumably. Yeah, pretty. That's rough. But if they, I mean, these buttholes are willing to just start killing people to get what they want, then. Yeah. Wouldn't you, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to be a moth? I forgot. <laughs> no. I wouldn't. Ki- no, I wouldn't kill, kill people for, especially if I did something wrong and I got stuck on a prison planet or even if i didn't do anything wrong mm-hmm. and i was unjustly put on a prison planet as an unbodied consciousness yeah and they're like oh this is your way out maybe you should start killing people to get a- get away it's like no i'm not gonna kill it's not worth it to me to kill people to Whoa. to do that even Why? after 200 or more years yeah of it? i do it for maybe if it was a thousand five hundred years then like i would limit. consider doing no okay no i don't know how would yeah, i know what yeah. it's like to you be know a, a 200 year old disembodied <laughs> consciousness i don't know what that's like we wouldn't be able to play pickleball that's no for sure. that is true and that would be really sad even though you've never played i've it. never played it and that would be especially sad yeah because you've never played it <laughs> but sad thing is if they just told picard their plight he probably would have thought well you've served your time from my point of view yeah off you go yeah or maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> it depends how awful they are. And they are awful. Abev activates the containment field that she developed, trapping the beings, and then we get this. No! Let them go or you will all die! Your threats are meaningless now. We are still in control of these three bodies. We will not let them go. And are you prepared to sacrifice the lives of these others? They'll all die when the cargo bay hatches blow. You will die too, Picard. I would die to save the life of my child. To die defending one ship is the hope of every Klingon. If you each know the officers you inhabit, and you know they're equally ready to give their lives for this ship, free them now. And I will return you to the moon's surface. ahead and they're all standing up to say I'll die to protect everybody else and I'm willing to sacrifice Troy O'Brien and Data too as opposed to the entire ship they've got a collective approach to it the needs of the many oh my god yeah if I was one of the people there I'd say hell yeah yes there's six of us here blow it 
Yeah, and Keiko's still here as a mother, ostensibly. She's here, she's going to save the life of her child, but we also get to see what a courageous crew member she is. Yeah, and I think it's pretty cool. You know, I was um, watching uh, something about science and space. (laughs) That sounds vague. I know. Uh, I can't remember what the video was, but if we're talking about how if you actually go out into space, you don't freeze very quickly at all because the way that objects lose heat is through touch, you know, like mm. through the air. Yeah. Uh, Nothing's going to conduct it away. Yeah, there's no nothing to conduct it. So mm. there's radiation, which is the third way. There's two other ways. And then the third way is radiation. And radiation is a super slow way oh. to get rid of body heat. Yeah. So it would actually take you a while to freeze. I mean, obviously, the lack of air pressure and the lack of air would. So that's not what's going to get you first, then, yeah. the freezing. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which which way of dying in space is more horrific, but... <laughs> These entities, I was a little surprised that they weren't just like, let's take us all down. Mm-hmm. They didn't go for it. They just gave up. And they could have started phasering people, hoping that maybe they would phaser them before they would blow the doors and everything. But... Yep. But they just kind of gave up. Now we'll try someone again in 200 more years. Well, I I mean, obviously the episode has to end. Mm -hmm. So you've got to do that. But I mean, even if they phasered Picard and everybody else, Riker would have blown the door and there's nothing they could have done to stop that. So Hmm. I guess they were I guess they were trapped. Yeah, I guess they must have some collective sense because they could have sacrificed all of the others and just kept themselves alive. Yeah. Well, the entities leave the bodies of O'Brien, Troy, and Data. Worf beams them all back to the moon, and uh, they can be somebody else's problem in 200 years. <laughs> oh, yeah. And to be tortured for all eternity. Yeah. The former goatee gang apologized to everybody, even though they didn't do anything wrong. They were possessed, mm. but still. And Keiko says, hey, no harm done. She's totally fine with this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think going through something like that would cause me to have some PTSD yeah. with my spouse. Uh-huh. And who am I going to go to for some therapy? Oh, whoops. <laughs> Somebody who is also one of the hostage takers. <laughs> too bad there's not another therapist. Yeah, this is one of those things about uh, this type of television where it's got to kind of be wrapped up uh, yeah. in the hour because this would have some repercussions, mm, psychologically speaking. you think speaking. so, wouldn't yeah. you? But you know what? We're kind of getting into concepts, so let's do it. All right. Concepts with double Lieutenant Commander Matthew Alsop. Happy five years oh, on the crew. Wow, five yeah. years. Yeah, I know. That's, that's got to get you an extra pip, hasn't it? Yes. Well, we had body snatching light beings yet again. Certainly very Star Trek. If we did a rating system for how Star Trek an episode is, they'd yeah. do quite well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Couldn't they, they couldn't take over Riker due to the pain, yet they went back into Troy and O'Brien, even though they'd just recently been hurt presumably yeah. the hurt immediately disappeared or something yeah. it turned out to be a penal colony trying to escape an eternity of imprisonment which we've also had before yeah but we don't have too often so i guess no. it's fresher than some other concept <laughs> might be sure yeah phasering them doesn't work why mm. it's just their bodies yeah they've been able to put some shield around themselves yeah. if they had they wouldn't have had to use the ship's force fields in the way that they yeah. did so that know. didn't make any sense to me uh, yeah they just can't feel pain but it, that phasering's not about pain is it it, no. it presumably relaxes like a taser relaxes all your, relaxes your muscles so relaxing to get tasered <laughs> <laughs> taser spa treatments available now so relaxing <laughs> So the Goatee gang had the skills of their bodies mm-hmm. and the memories of how to do everything work-wise and with the technology, but yeah. not their relationships. bit but, like conundrum. All right. Yeah. But also, it, they seem to retain 
these memories. Because remember, when they possessed the people of the Essex, they remembered all the stuff about them. Somehow they incorporate the memories of that person into them as well, which I thought was kind of a cool idea. And then the acting challenge was Sirtis playing an alien, playing Bryce. Uh-huh. That's cool. It's really good. <laughs> she was good. I, she was. I really she liked this episode, good. yeah. Bev works out how to contain all the criminal light beings by duplicating the magnetic flux density in the storms on the moon by flooding Ten Forward with ionogenic particles. Mm. Whatever that is, well done, Bev. She was kicking ass yeah. this episode, just saving the day with things that I don't think are really medicine. No. Just generally Science <laughs> being an stuff, expert. Yeah. yeah. And in this one, the willingness to die to save the rest of their sure. crewmates is what saved them all. Yeah, typical Fed Federation stuff, yeah. I bet. Bit of a mashup of things we've seen before. You could probably pick Star Trek tropes out of a bag, space storm, body snatching, penal colonists, yeah. and get this episode. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, so it would have been rated high for concepts in TOS or even early TNG. Because we've seen most of it before, six, seven, not sure what you're thinking. I'm going to go seven. Yeah, seven. Be because I think that the way they put everything together was really smart. Yeah, it was. And I really thought it was neat, which made me be more entertained. And I guess it's to entertainment. <laughs> hey. With Triple Lieutenant Commander Ben Orbach. Happy five years. Mm. What a great month. Yeah. Well, I found it dynamic this episode, actually. Yeah. Lots of action, phasering, strategizing, different teams plotting and yeah. being brilliant. The goatee gang all acting mirror universe style. Mm -hmm. uh, Would have liked a costume change. Yeah. Maybe a sexier outfit for Troy. Wouldn't have really made any sense, but sure, no? yeah. Yep. It'd be fun. Uh, you know, and also, there's no B-plot in this episode. Oh. It's all A-plot. I like that. Yeah. Because well, it was just broken down into what's Geordie and LaForge doing, what's yeah, yeah. Picard up to. Yeah, it all yeah. centered around this. I mean, it, it it moves at a really good clip, like you're saying. Yeah. And there's just a lot going on, and it's really in interesting and engaging. Uh, you know, it's fun. It's a fun episode. Yeah. Director David Livingston recalled that the most enjoyable part of the episode was taking three of our continuing characters and having them play something entirely different. It was a chance to work with them and create totally new characters, and that was a lot of fun. Mm. We came up with the names for them on set. Yay! <laughs> Marina was Slash, <laughs> Data was Buzz, oh, what? and Colm was Slugger. Ah, <laughs> uh, so Data was kind of like an army yeah. Guy. I think so, yeah. Like with the buzz haircut. Troubled army guy or something. Obviously, they had names in the scripts, but I think that these personalities, these names kind of came out. Yeah. And, he was thuggish, wasn't he? Yeah. And it was fun. I think it, it was. It seemed fun to watch and it looked fun for them to do. But I was just in it. I was just buying it at the time. I wasn't yeah. thinking, oh, those are actors doing weird characters. It's a it, shame O'Brien didn't have to come up with a new character. <laughs> <laughs> He just played himself how he is when he hangs out with Keiko. According to an interview with her in the Next Generation magazine, mm -hmm. Sirtis is quite a happy, chappy, go lucky uh -huh. kind of <laughs> cockney lady. Uh -huh. um, and she sees Troy as being sort of a more calming side of her. And she's learned a lot from playing the character about how to be that softer, calmer, yes. more reasonable side uh -huh. of things, apparently. And then, you know, in this episode, she gets to... Go for it, didn't she? Is a right. strong leader, assertive. Yeah, yeah. But the, playing a man, playing a woman, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's also too. She for some reason in this episode, she did one of her own stunts where they get Aww. blasted, and the other ones didn't. And you can't even really see her in the shot. But she 
busted her tailbone oh, when she fell back. Oh, kids. Yeah, and it totally wasn't worth it because, like, if you see the shot in the show, you can't you can't even tell it's her at uh, all. Yeah, and she said it could have been Worf in a tri costume for all <laughs> anyone would have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> there was a point, though, where I was taken right out of it when Data was in 10 forward and he had to lower a force field, and you could tell that Brent Spiner just ran over and kind of randomly hit some buttons. <laughs> Yeah, but Dana could do that with his eyes closed. But it, it just... <laughs> it was noticeable, though. It was noticeable. He didn't even really hit the buttons. He just kind of yeah. touched the... Slapped his fingers on yeah, them. Yeah, ran was, out. Like, what? Come on. Mm. And it was in the foreground, too, of the shot. So you really could see what was going yeah, on. Yeah, sloppy poppy. A little sloppy, but still. And Livingston also said it was tough filming the planet scene with sand being blasted into people's eyes by oh, the wind machines. God. They had to have a complete makeup redo for Certis. She looked like a house after the guys come through with their hoses. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Oh, does yeah. he mean like a house that's been on fire? Yeah. All right. I guess so. What a tough episode for Certis, but yeah. hopefully she was paid back by the fact that she did such a good job in it and yeah. you know, it was memorable. It's a good Troy episode, even though Troy's not really in it very much. Yeah. yeah. It's a good Certis episode. That's right. There you go. It's all a bit silly, and I wasn't scared, but that's fine. Yeah. Data was a little bit scary, actually, because you can uh, yeah. see his power I take that when back. he goes rogue. Yeah. That's dangerous, and him squaring up to Worf, and you just think he's way outmatched yeah. strength-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When somebody like that goes rogue, that's dangerous for everyone, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a shame Worf never really got any victories other than his own courage. He kept cool when that when Evil Data was trying to rile yeah, him up. That's right. He tried to get him to fight him, and he was like, "Come on!" Yeah, threw down yeah, his yeah, face. Remember, and yes. Worf was just keeping his cool. Yeah, so that was right. kind of a victory. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I'll deduct a point for the poor baby crying actresses <laughs> who never consented to be on the show and give it eight. Oh wow! Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight, even though I don't care about babies. Oh, I was gonna give it an eight anyway. <laughs> Sexiness. Nah. No. 2.5. 2.5. Stupid experts. Some ass kicking as a whole team, mm-hmm. but especially by Bev. Yeah. Riker, Roll, LaForge, and Picard, not too shabby either. No. And the villains were clever experts mostly. Yeah. I though, thought... it, though it didn't work. <laughs> well, I mean, they. I wasn't going, oh, that's stupid. Nah. No, I was good. Yeah, it's great. It was good. Yeah. Zero. I give it zero stupid experts. They stayed together and they thought through yeah. everything that could be used against them. It was good. Yeah. They got pretty far as a team of three. They sure did. All they had going for them really was the intellect of the people whose bodies they were in and the fact they couldn't be phased. Well, and it was the dude, the guy that possessed Data, he mm. jumped the gun. They might have just mm. totally got away with it That's if right. it wasn't for his emotional. Ah, yeah. there you yeah. go. Yeah. How yeah, ironic. His emotional problems that he was having. Yeah. His lack of patience. How can you possess Data? They explained it. Did they? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Should we deduct some from no, uh, no, 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 concepts no. for that? No, no. Okay. Are your guesses? I said Troy and Data will turn evil mm. and O'Brien will turn good. Well, no, he, no, did, no. he did turn evil too. Yeah. Uh, but it was a little bit Mirror University. I said they'd have to take Picard and Riker out. Briefly, they did. Meaning Troy would be in charge. Yes, she was. But not of the ship, officially. No, no. <laughs> yeah. You didn't say in charge of what. So uh, you, no. You can take that as a win. Yay. I thought Data would take over engineering. No, they didn't split up. And that Bev and Worf would team up to save the day. Ish. They were both highly instrumental in yeah. saving the day. Yeah, yeah. So, some bits. I want to thank some patrons. Welcome, Ensign Jim Sweetman. Five years for Lieutenant Commander Neil Kaplan. Lieutenant Dale Wilson. Oh, Dale. I didn't know he was a patron of our show. Mm-hmm. Dale is a friend of Chance. 
Yeah. Uh, that in LA, I've gamed with him uh, once before. He's a super cool guy. Yeah, well, everyone here is cool. Well, yeah, but I, I know him personally. So <laughs> thank you, Dale. Well, if Chris had seen all of you, he would love you, all of you. I as would well. indeed. I don't want anyone to feel like they haven't been favored. Yeah. <laughs> Lieutenant David Azagedi and Dion Winton Pollock. All, oh, all of you. I know Dion. All of you. Happy five years. Four years, Lieutenant Luke Slater. Congrats. Three years for Lieutenant Ken Yun and Lieutenant Andrew Brenneman. Two years for Lieutenant F.M. Suverin. And for Ensign Ergative Absolutive. <laughs> and happy one year, Lieutenant Mooncubus, Lieutenant Leon, and Ensign Nick Gibbons. Thanks, everybody, for Aww. sticking with us. We so appreciate you. You guys are treasures. Thank you so much. And seriously, without you, we would have stopped doing the show a long time ago. Rachel still doesn't really like Star Trek that much. Aww. <laughs> there's just so much out there. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, I want to thank our producer, Rafe Ball, for everything that he's doing for us behind the scenes. He is a magic maker. Thank you, Rafe. And thank you all. And with that, I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!